Welcome to the first episode of Conservation Crossroads podcast. I'm Carla Archibald. And I'm Rachel Friedman. And today we'll be talking about putting a value on nature. So nature is all around us and we interact with it every day. But my experience in nature and your experience in nature could be completely different. We want to know how other people experience nature, so we went around the office to find out. So, what's your name? Uh, my name is Junior Novera. And why do you like nature? <laughs> well, nature is everything. I mean, I come from a country in the Pacific and we depend on you know, na- nature, or we can call environment, which is also nature, for everything. What's your name? Blake Alexander Simmons. And why do you like nature? I like nature on a personal level because I grew up um, outside of a five-anchor farm and I got a lot of release and, um, and happiness from being able to escape the confines of sort of urban life. What's your name? Paloma. And why do you like nature? Um, I think that it just is so healthy to be out in nature and it makes me feel at peace and it really helps reduce my stress levels. So being able to have some time to go out to nature in the weekends especially, it's just such a great end to the week and the beginning of the next week. Thanks. What's your name? Chris Anderson. And why do you like nature? Um, I guess it's a combination of growing up, being taught to love and respect it, and finding a sense of peace going out and experiencing it and then also excitement to see new things and all the amazing different animals and plants that the world has. Thanks. So as we heard, people appreciate nature in different ways and they take different things from interacting with the natural environment. These benefits that we receive from nature are often called ecosystem services. Do you mind explaining what you mean by ecosystem services? Yeah, sure. From the environment, we get things like food or clean water, but we also take really important things like breathable air and even spending time in your local park. But do all the benefits that we receive from nature fit into these nice little boxes? Well, Carla, not everything fits into a neat little box. Some of the things that nature provide have value in just their very existence. Okay, so nature provides us with a bunch of things that we can directly measure. But what's the point of knowing about all of these benefits and not just caring about nature because it's nature? Well, not everyone has the same values. For example, economists and politicians who make decisions about the use of natural resources and protecting the environment may appreciate a monetary or more utilitarian value of ecosystems. Classic cases of valuing the services an ecosystem provides dates back to the 1990s when New York was faced with the decision between spending millions of dollars on a filtration plant for the city's drinking water or restoring and protecting habitat upstream in the watershed at a fraction of the cost. Ultimately, they decided that the latter solution would be more beneficial and the landowners are still being compensated for maintaining appropriate vegetation along waterways. 
Right, for something like water filtration, we can clearly see the benefits to people and we can even put a dollar value per litre of water. But a lot of the work that we do focuses on biodiversity, which is a bit harder to make the same economic case for. But the question remains, how do we put a value on all of these different aspects of nature? To answer this question, we thought we'd get some insight from an expert who works on this every day. Neil Strange is a professor in environmental economics from the University of Copenhagen, working in the forestry and environmental planning department. Niels works on various aspects of conservation and valuing ecosystem services. My name is Niels Strange, uh, Niels Strange in Danish. Uh, I'm uh, working with the forestry and nature management planning at the University of Copenhagen and I'm a visiting seat here as part of a sabbatical. We started out with the nuts and bolts of valuing ecosystem services and got into some of the actual ways of putting a number on those values. We appreciate nature in, uh, in different ways, both directly and indirectly. Uh, it's probably reflected through many different mechanisms like uh, house prices or uh, our willingness to travel, for example, to a national park, how far we travel to a national park, how much we spend on gear, how much we spend on um, uh, travel costs and so forth. That's probably reflected in the, uh, how much we appreciate that particular national park. So there's a lot of indirect uh, methods out there for measuring that, but as you can hear, this is also quite tangible, like a bottle of water or a national park. It's very tangible. But uh, when we talk about ecosystem services and biodiversity, many of those are actually not really tangible. We 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 just appreciate it by its pure existence. Not even we're not directly consuming it like we consume a bottle of drinking water or we visit the place and as we would do in. Uh, with, with the travel cost methods. It could be like just simply knowing that uh, <clears throat> this per species persistence would be uh, maintained if uh, a policy was implemented. Just knowing that would be, uh, would be uh, uh, having a value to us. So some parts of nature, such as food and drinking water, are quite easy to assign a tangible value like money. Although other parts of nature, such as a species existing or your experience in nature, seem quite challenging to put a dollar value to. But we wanted to know if there are ways that you could measure these less tangible things found in nature. So just think about blue whale protection, uh, I mean whales protection in general, fisheries protection, by, yeah, biodiversity protection in general. And we've done a lot of studies on, on uh, these so-called existence values or what we call non-use values. Since we're not using them, we're not consuming those values like a bottle of water. But we, we, we appreciate um, that the pure existence of these species are maintained. So this requires different methods. And those methods are, um, of course, a little bit more technical. But uh, it's basically based on asking people uh, clever questions around uh, how they um, appreciate nature and how much they're willing to pay or donate to support uh, the provision of these services. Not everything can be valued, right? How do you how do you value spiritual values? How do you value attachment to nature, uh, the placement of nature? My my childhood experience with being in the nature. How do you value that? It's really really difficult, right? There's a lot of um, let's say ethical issues around the values uh, associated with nature and ecosystem service as such, which cannot really be valued. So that's why I think we should be quite uh, 
uh, straight on what where it makes sense to do this kind of renovations. Uh, uh, As scientists, we can get close to putting a dollar value on some of the more challenging aspects of nature, like how much we appreciate the existence of a penguin in Antarctica. But as Niels mentioned, not everything can or should be valued, and we should be careful when to use these methods. I mean, can you really say how much a penguin is worth? Rachel, it's a penguin. Well, I guess that was the takeaway. It's hard to put values on nature when the meaning we attach to value, like dollars and cents, doesn't always fit with how we feel about nature. We're interested in asking all of our guests their opinion on what will overcome the conservation roadblock in their field. And Niels is the first to tell us what he thinks. Maybe from a general science perspective, I think that one of the... Uh, one important role for us as scientists is, of course, that um, since we are living in a kind of post-truth influenced society, I think one of the most important roles for society, for universities and scientists, is to deliver uh, facts to the policy arena. I'm not saying that we should be activists, but we should be at least advocates for our science and uh, and. Um, and uh, participate with that, with, with the limitations of being a scientist and, and an advocate at the same time. Those are good words of wisdom to end on. We covered a lot in this episode, and there is still so much more to talk about. So if you want to keep the conversation going, please get in touch by tweeting us at hashtag Conservation Crossroads. You can find links to all the projects and researchers we've spoken to in the description box of this episode. We look forward to tackling the next big issue in conservation with you and we'll be exploring past forward from this conservation crossroad.